we're back again. Brothers, sisters, everybody sing. Gonna bring the flame, I'll show you how. Got a question for you, better answer now. Yeah. Am I you? There was a song released in 1997 that was the be-all, end-all, bops of all bops. It's true. A song with a video so iconic and spooky imagery, it's up there with Thriller. I agree with that. Everybody, Toys R Us is back. And so are the Backstreet Boys. That's right. This is Toys R Us. Monster. Drinking daddy. Oh, and booberry. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? It's the most fun in the park. When you're laughing in the dark. That began the nightmare on my street. Wee. It's just a daddy, isn't it? The Addams Family. Tears <laughs> from the crypt. <laughs> They say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night each year to find a head in the hollow here. Anything can happen on Halloween. I'll put a spell on you. to another spooky day of Halloween goodness. Spooktacular. Today's episode is a bit of a left turn from the previous days and the days to follow. It's a decision that I made far after the original schedule for the 13 days of Halloween. True. But before we get into that, welcome once again to the Toys R Us podcast. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hi, everybody. We are your ferrymen on the river of knowledge. Delivering you to the shores of history and helping you explore them. Today we'll be going over the history of a fucking bop. It really is. Just slaps, man. It does. Slaps so fucking hard. Even over 20 years later here, I mean, we're still talking about it. It's still as fresh as it ever was. Absolutely. And that is everybody, parentheses, backstreet's back, end parentheses. That's right. That being said... Are you ready to dive in? Hell yeah. All right, perfect. Just gather around and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. We start our story in 1997, where we meet up with the Backstreet Boys. They had garnered themselves some slight success with their debut album, Backstreet Boys. However, for whatever reason, that album debuted in Germany first. That's odd. Yeah. So in 97, their technical second album is released. Backstreet's <laughs> back. Zamba chairman Clive Cadler suggested the song as a single, but Jive president Barry Weiss thought it would be weird to have a song called Backstreet's Back on the band's first U.S. album. No. Um, the band suggested it could just mean they were back home. Yeah. 
After Canadian markets began playing the song, U.S. markets near the border began picking the song up too. The band had met with Weiss and asked that the song be added to the U.S. album after the first million units had already been produced. Written and produced by Max Martin and Dennis Pop, Everybody is one of the Backstreet Boys' most successful songs to date, reaching number four in the U.S. Billboard Top 100, running 22 weeks, and number three in the U.K. single chart. Baller. It is certified platinum in the United States with 2.1 million sales. Nice. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. There are two versions of the song. The international album features the, or, yeah, features the album or 7-inch version, which is the standard recording. The U.S. album features the extended version of the song, which includes an extended breakdown section, but cuts the bridge. The music video for the song was cut to both versions of the song, with the extended video released to the U.S. market and the standard video released everywhere else. Hmm. The video is bookended by scenes framing the context. When their bus breaks down, the, ba- the band's driver, Antonio Fargus, a.k.a. Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch, uh, yeah. insists that the group spend a night at the nearby haunted house, which just so happens to be the same house used in the 1995 film Casper. Ah, I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. Uh, it then shows Brian preparing to sleep in one of the bedrooms. As he is in bed, he pulls out a scary animal from underneath his covers, making him scream in horror. The musical portion of the video plays as a, di- a dream sequence in which each, each band member appears as a different movie monster. Brian is a werewolf, Howie is Dracula, Nick is a mummy, AJ is Eric, the Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. and Kevin as a two-faced like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The boys, as monsters, mainly appear in their own individual vignettes related to their character, while the band as a group appears in the foyer of the house uh, dressed in centuries-old clothing, performing a dance routine with a group of additional dancers. Supermodel Josie Maron uh, appears as Howie's companion in his vignette. Ooh. Following the song, the boys meet up in the foyer, uh, each one having dreamed of themselves as monsters. They resolve to leave, but are terrified by the sight of their driver standing at the front door with the appearance of Frankenstein's monster. Oh, snap. The boys scream in terror, and the video ends. There are two cuts of the video, one for the U.S. market and one for the international market, Yeah. each of which features the edit of the song released on the album for that market. Oh, the that international video cuts from the opening bookend to the first verse. The bridge of the song is intact, and the first half of the dance routine, a ballroom dance portion, is intercut with the vignettes under it. This leads into the second half of the dance portion during the final choruses, which are not intercut with the vignettes. In the U.S. cut, the ballroom half of the dance routine and the beginning of the second half are used at the start of the song during the first rhythm-only breakdown, and it is not intercut with vignettes. The second breakdown, which replaces the bridge, is accompanied only by shots from the vignettes, along with some of Brian's Wolfman character doing some tumbling moves in the foyer and in various vignettes. When the final choruses begin, the second second half of the dance routine is shown again from the start, but is intercut with vignette scenes. He was a teenage werewolf. (laughs) He was a teenage werewolf. Most of the remainder of the video is cut identically, other than several minor instances of alternate scenes or takes being used. The dance floor in the video was painted. At the end of the video, Brian wakes up, looks in his bed to see nothing, and realizes that he had a nightmare. As he tells Howie about his dream, he and the other guys tell each other they had a dream as well and describe what they were. Howie and the others get ready to leave, but then, you know, they find out that the bus driver is a monster. 
While the six-minute video was a phenomenal success, director Joseph Kahn admits he had no idea who the Backstreet Boys even were when Jive Records pitched him a project with <laughs> with a white Jodeci. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right? Upon being, being mailed a cassette tape on publicity release about the quintet, the South Korean-born director was stunned by what he read. It had these sales figures of what they were doing in Europe, and it was crazy, he recalls. And they had actually had a significant amount of money for a video, which is very odd, because I had never heard of this band. I looked at all these guys and went, this is not White Jodeci. I'm like, who the fuck are these These are guys? five little Michael Jacksons. <laughs> when I listened to the song, I realized it was essentially pop music, which really wasn't happening at that time. While 90s mainstream music still centered on grunge and rap at that point, Khan had mainly worked on hip-hop videos, but he had long wanted to explore the pop genre, having grown up with 80s pop music. Stars aligned, and the Bastard Boys explained that they wanted a haunted house theme for the video, similar to the treatment Khan had written for Ice Cube video a few months earlier. The rapper didn't bite it, but Bastard Boys did. It obviously would have been a very different video if I had done the Ice Cube version. Yeah, for sure. Uh... He continues, The whole thing was this giant, stressful, immensely dangerous shoot for me. Trying to do something on that scale, doing all the editing and everything myself, racing against time because they were on a flight the next morning, and trying to keep control of the money. And that was some serious money that Khan had to keep control of. Backstreet's Howie says the group shelled out more than $1 million for the elaborate shoot. It was definitely our most extensive video at the time. We had never had that, money to, we had never had that kind of money to spend. Yeah, can't argue with the results, though. It was over $1 million on the sets and everything, and the two-day shoot where Joseph didn't even sleep. But it was amazing to see it all come together. You have a vision, but even with proper money, you never know whether or not it's going to come to life. And it did. It took, a, it took on a life of its own. And it's really cool to have people now claiming it to be iconic. Khan had little idea the video would not only blow up, but cement his place as a respected pop director whose subsequent work with Taylor Swift, Eminem, and Katy Perry has won him a handful of Grammys and MTV Music Video Awards. Boom! I was just trying to do something fun and make the pop video I'd always wanted to make, he says. I love pop, and it just didn't exist at that point. So I guess this helped start the whole pop scene in America. It allowed me to help create a new pop scene, uh, and through these videos, create my view of pop culture. Considering how iconic the video remains to be 20 years later, it feels preposterous to even imagine the Backstreet Boys record label dragging their heels over the overall idea of it. However, in an interview with MTV, Nick revealed that their record company was not on board with the idea for the music video. Lame. He said it was kind of funny because we had talked to the record company about it at first and they were like, oh, I don't know. Well, we'll talk about it later. We had this idea in our heads. It took them a while, but they agreed to let us do it. Uh, but they they even thanked them later because it turned out to be such a great video. And while they may have thanked them, they sure as fuck didn't want to pay them the money they had to use to pay for the video. Naturally. Because the, the label did not get behind the concept of the band in costumes or the large budget requirements and did not believe MTV would respect the video. The band ultimately had to put up its own money to shoot the video and fight with the label to get reimbursed once it was successful. Fucking A. So they paid for the whole fucking video themselves. They gotta get paid. Cover versions and usage in media includes Everybody Backstreet's Back and a 2002 Philippine TV commercial for Rexona. Weird Al Yankovic uh, putting the song on the list of 
songs in Polka Medley Polka Power from his 1999 album Running With Scissors. Nice. Everybody, yeah. Rock your body, yeah. Everybody, rock your body right. Backstreet's back, all right. All right. The song appeared in a TV spot for Finding Nemo. <laughs> In 2007, the song was performed by Westlife on their love tour. Westlife? Westlife. Snowball the Cockatoo, the first non-human animal conclusively demonstrated to be capable of beat induction, was first observed dancing to the song. Electric Six quote the familiar line, Backstreet's Back All Right, in the track Jimmy Carter on their 2005 album, Senor Smoke. Electric Six is fucking hilarious. They are. This is who Five dancing teenage boys who sing their way into our hearts, back streets, back. All right. Uh, in 2010, JLS performed the song uh, along with I Want It That Way in two NSYNC songs in a medley on their tour for their second album, Out of This World. Oh, wow. The song was covered by Irish twins Jedward for their debut album, Planet Jedward. I forgot all about Jedward. Huh. <laughs> Metalcore band Blind Witness made a cover of the song in 2011, the song was briefly used in the horror comedy Detention. It was used in an Old Navy commercial in 2012. Oh. Uh, it was licensed to Dance Central 3 for the Connect. In 2013, the song was performed by the Bastard Boys at the end of the movie This Is The End. Oh, yeah. That was classic. It's so good, man. And I can't believe that was already six years ago. That's it's fucking, fucking weird, wild. right? Yeah. In 2013, Spartan Stadium started playing the song during a rain delay of the Michigan State versus Western Michigan game. In 2013, the song was covered by Darren Chris in the movie Girl Most Likely. Since June 2014, the song has been used in adverts for Go Ahead Crispy Slices. <laughs> Canadian hard rap band of Tall Tales released a cover and music video for the song on February 2nd, 2015. Also in 2015, the song was used in an episode of Scream Queens. In 2015, Nick Carter and his Dancing with the Stars partner, Sharna Burgess, danced to a jazz routine to the song to commemorate the year Nick Carter joined the band. Oh, wow. You know who's a member of our band? Tell me. That's Fatty. Yeah. The Fat in the Box. Nick originally wanted to be the creature from the Black Lagoon, but it was soon agreed that his features were more mummy-like. It's true. One of the makeup artists also did the special effects for Hellraiser. Baller. Right? Fuck yeah. According to the All Access documentary video about the making of the video, Brian's makeup took five and a half hours to create. Oh, wow. It's a werewolf. Yeah. You know? Yeah. According to Joseph Kahn, during a Billboard interview celebrating the 20th anniversary of the song video, Nick struggled with the stressful shoot, and it was 
even brought to tears during it. Khan said, I remember Nick crying because he had stayed up all night and was up for 36 hours. Oh, it was so stressful for him, and I think I almost gave him a nervous breakdown with that mummy shot because he was the last guy to be filmed, and he was just being tortured, the poor guy. And he was the youngest, too, so it was yeah. a lot. Fuck. Making an appearance in Pharrell Williams' video for Happy, and also starring in movie like, movies like Romeo Must Die, Dreamgirls, and American Gangster, Fatima Robinson was also the Backstreet Boys' resident choreographer who was responsible for the iconic dance routine of the video. In recent years, Robinson has let her, lent her tremendous talents to directing music videos such as Megan Trainor's All About That Bass and Fifth Harmony's Boss. Oh. And so we have danced our way to the end of another spooky day of Halloween. Join us tomorrow for more tricks and treats. Until next time, remember, am I sexual? Yeah. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid.